Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Only three other people in history have a stain on their legacy like this. The lead starts right now. Breaking today, the House Judiciary Committee passes both articles of impeachment against President Trump as the full House gets ready to vote and the Senate leader works with the White House on the coming trial. Unite or fight Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren tangling over the best way to beat Trump and move on. Plus, a murdering mom and a child rapist walking free thanks to pardons by the former Kentucky governor as he walked out the door. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Brianna Keeler in for Jake Tapper, and we begin today with the politics lead. President Trump now facing a full House vote to impeach him next week after the House Judiciary Committee approved two articles of impeachment against the 45th president of the United States this morning. All 23 Democrats on the committee voted to impeach. All 17 Republicans voted against in a strictly party-line decision. And the White House blasted this move, calling it a, quote, desperate charade, and said the president looks forward to receiving due process in the Senate. As CNN's Alex Marquardt reports, the president said today he wouldn't mind a long trial where the whistleblower could be called to testify. History in the making. Judiciary Committee will come to order. For only the fourth time in U.S. history, a vote by a House panel to approve articles of impeachment against a sitting president. The question now is on Article 1 of the resolution, impeaching President Donald J. Trump for abusing his powers. Aye. Aye. No. No. In an otherwise quiet and methodical process, Republicans making their anger known. May I ask how I'm recorded? How is the gentleman recorded? Mr. Gomert, you are recorded as no. Yeah, I want to make sure. In just minutes, the two articles of impeachment, obstruction of Congress and abuse of power, approved in the House Judiciary Committee along party lines. The article is agreed to. The resolution is amended as ordered reported favorably to the House. No rejoicing among Democrats who emphasized it was a solemn and sad day. We're defending the Constitution and we're defending the integrity of the 2020 presidential election. Republicans, knowing their efforts would fail, argued that for Democrats, it's only ever been about impeaching a president who they don't like. Impeachment is their drug. It is their obsession. It is their total focus. Next up, the full House vote set for Wednesday, meaning that by Christmas, President Trump will almost certainly be impeached. Then, early in the new year, the Senate trial, where it's Republican turf. Leader Mitch McConnell insists that's where impeachment stops. There's no chance the president's going to be removed from office. Even though Democrats agree, they were outraged after McConnell told Fox News he is in lockstep with the White House, despite being on the jury. Everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. One House Democrat telling CNN McConnell should recuse himself. Another calling it outrageous. The foreman of the jury, Mitch McConnell, the guy that decides all the rules, is actually going to coordinate with the defendant. That makes no sense whatsoever. It is an outrage. 
Mitch McConnell and the White House legal team are pushing for a short, fast trial that will almost certainly result in the president's acquittal. The president, sources say, had wanted a bigger spectacle, a full-throated defense. Now, the details of the Senate trial are still being hashed out, including how it's actually going to work, as well as a potential start date. But, Brianna, we do know it will be early in the new year. All right, Alex, thank you so much for that report. Let's talk about all of this, because it has been quite a week. There have been a lot of theatrics, and yet at the very end of this, do you think that any minds were changed, Aisha? Uh, well, no, I'm, and we had polling on this at NPR that, that basically showed that even, like, weeks ago, that people were locked in and basically said most uh, Americans were saying that nothing could happen that would change their mind. But still, you did have the, the, the nation pretty evenly split on whether the president should be impeached and removed. And you had a large majority of people who said that they felt like he did something wrong, even if they felt like he shouldn't have been removed. So, I mean, so there there is some consensus in this country. And, and, and the consensus seemed to be that the president did actually engage in bad behavior. So what was accomplished? Well, look, I think Democrats were their goal was to, again, put forward the facts. And I think the main thing is, you know, they narrowed it down. So there's you know, two articles of impeachment. There was the whole question last week about whether or not Mueller would be included. And I think they presented their evidence. I think they did a, a good job of presenting their evidence and they moved the process forward. I mean, I think that's was the purpose of this week, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> articles of impeachment were voted out of the House Judiciary Committee. That doesn't happen every day. And it happened, I will, and I think very much to the Democrats' credit, they decided, I didn't actually agree with them on this, but they decided the Mueller report did not provide enough grounds for impeachment. Speaker Pelosi was not encouraging people to bring it up. Ukraine story broke. People looked at it for a week or two. The facts basically emerged pretty quickly. Those seven Democratic uh, freshmen, freshwomen, congress, congressmen and women, uh, first-year congressmen and women wrote that letter saying, well, this is too far. The party kind of came together on that. I think they did a pretty good job. I mean, despite all the insanity and the Republican theatrics, you know, between the Schiff Committee and the Nadler Committee, they laid out the facts. And I think there are grounds for impeachment. So I give them credit for that. The House will vote to impeach next week. And then the real question for me is, do we get a real trial in the Senate? Where I think it's very important that people, if Republican senators ultimately want to say, look, we don't think there's anything there to convict. We don't, we, he did some things wrong, but it doesn't rise to that removal from office uh, level. Fine. But they, if they take the attitude that, we don't need to have a trial. It's obvious there's nothing there. That, I think, is both ridiculous substantively and inappropriate constitutionally. So for me, the, the burden is on the Republican senators to not let Mitch McConnell just handle this like some tax bill or appropriations bill and, get, you know, whip his senators and, and just dispose of it. Well, to that point, so let's look ahead, right, mm -hmm. at uh, the Senate trial, assuming the Democrats have the votes in the House, which is where everything appears to be. Mm -hmm. We know that the majority leader, McConnell, is working very closely with the White House. He is in lockstep with counsel uh, for the president. So, is this something that is operating as it should be, Carrie, or is this really outside the norm? Well, really, the Senate is supposed to be a venue that is a trial. This isn't a criminal trial. It's an impeachment trial. But they are supposed to be independent arbiters of the facts that are presented before them. And it's up to the the president to submit who his legal team is, who's going to defend him in this case. And then it's up to the House and Speaker Pelosi to determine who's going to make the arguments on behalf of the case. But the Senate really, it doesn't strike me as appropriate for uh, the Senate majority leader to be uh, 
saying that he's going to conduct this completely in lockstep with the White House counsels. The senators are supposed to at least give the appearance of having an open mind about this. And what I'm really looking for in the Senate versus the House is, are the Republican members of the Senate going to take this seriously? Are they really going to wrestle with the facts that have been revealed? Because we didn't see that in the House. We didn't. We saw distractions. We didn't see the Republican members in the House really seem that they understood the gravity of their historical moment. Do you Just think two footnotes will? to what Carrie said. The Senate, when, when impeachment comes to the Senate, the Senate reconstitutes itself as a court of yeah. impeachment. A court. Who presides? The Chief Justice, not you know, the senior senator or even the vice president, who obviously couldn't do that. And they take a new oath. They don't, they take the oath to the Constitution when they become senators. When the impeachment court, the court of impeachment is convened, the senators take an oath to act. And it's different from the legislative oath. And it's to, you know, judge fairly and without bias or something like that. I don't know if they signed it or they, but, so that shows how it is supposed to proceed. And there, and... But will it? That's, I mean, that's well, the question. that will is it? the question. I, I, it's the hard question. to see that it would based on my read on what McConnell did today, as much as I also thought it was inappropriate, that felt like more of a message to Trump to calm him down after the tweet storm of yesterday. And every th- reporting that we've been hearing is that behind the scenes, and I think we saw this today in the photo opportunity uh, around 11 or so, that he's just can't, you know, he's focused on this. This is where his attention is at. Nothing else seems to be getting done. And I think the, the Republicans in the Senate, they're going to try to make it less of a show trial that like we saw in the House. But at the same time, I think they also know they have to keep Trump calm. Let's listen to the president today. I'll do whatever I want. We did nothing wrong. So I'll do long or short. I'll do whatever they want to do. It doesn't matter. I wouldn't mind a long process. Because I'd like to see the whistleblower who's a fraud. But the question, we hear the president over and over say, I'll testify, I'll do this, whether it's the Mueller investigation or what, and then he doesn't. I mean, when you read what he said there, Aisha, how do you decipher that? I I do think that the president likely does want, I think he wants a show. Mm -hmm. And I think that he would like to see the whistleblower called and who was the whistleblower talking to and call Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and Adam Schiff and everybody. I think that is what he wants to see. And I think that's why you have um, some push and pull with Mitch McConnell uh, and Lindsey Graham, because they know that that likely is not a good idea and that if you bring in witnesses, you're opening up the door. You don't know what's going to happen when you do that. And I think they want a more controlled process. So I think that's part of what they're trying to manage right now and likely trying to convince the president you really don't want to do that. You don't want to call Hunter Biden and the whistleblower. Like, you really, really want to do it? I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> he did, who is the person stopping witnesses from testifying? The president, yeah. right? Who has actual knowledge of what happened? John well, Bolton, in the, in the Nick Mulvaney. If the president in wants the, everyone Senate, to testify... In the Senate, he wants to be defended, right? He doesn't yes. really. He, he, doesn't. he says that because he wants to look bold and confident. He wants a short trial. He does not want these facts litigated. We have, he does not, and he can say he wants Hunter Biden to testify, but if the trade-off were Hunter Biden and John Bolton and Mick Mulvaney... He wouldn't take it. It's a very good point. All right, we have so much to discuss ahead. Fresh off of his trip to Ukraine, another one, a new trip to Ukraine. Rudy Giuliani is paying a visit to the White House today. Is he helping or is he hurting his client's case in the Senate? And then the former Kentucky governor making headlines as he left office, issuing hundreds of pardons and commutations, including one for a 41-year-old man who raped a 9-year-old girl. 
And we're back with our politics lead, what President Trump is calling an embarrassment. The House Judiciary Committee approving two articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump today. CNN's Caitlin Collins reports the president is lashing out as he faces the increasingly likely prospect of being the third president in U.S. history to be impeached. You're trivializing impeachment. After the House Judiciary Committee voted to advance two articles of impeachment against him, today President Trump accused Democrats of making light of a serious matter. I think it's a horrible thing to be using the tool of impeachment, which is supposed to be used in an emergency. While the president has made clear privately he doesn't want impeachment on his resume, today he touted the benefits. It's a very sad thing for our country, but... uh, It seems to be very good for me politically. His campaign manager is making the same argument, telling reporters the inquiry has boosted fundraising, inspired volunteers, and, quote, lit up our base. Trump may be touting the benefits, but he's not offering much clarity on what he wants when it comes to the Senate trial. First saying this. I'll do whatever I want. Then moments later saying he'll listen to Republican senators who have advocated for a short trial with no live witnesses. I've heard Mitch. I've heard Lindsey. I'll do whatever they want to do. Trump also referencing but not naming Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vindman, the Ukraine expert for the National Security Council, who testified that Trump's July call with the Ukrainian president was improper. He's another beauty. Vindman still works at the White House. And CNN has learned senior aides are now restricting who listens in on the president's calls with foreign leaders. Today, his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, was spotted entering the West Wing. Giuliani recently returned from another trip to Ukraine, seemingly unfazed by federal prosecutors who were probing his business activity. The Wall Street Journal reports Trump called Giuliani while his plane was still taxiing down the runway, asking, what did you get? More than you can imagine, Giuliani told him. Now, Brianna, we should note that Giuliani said he wants to put his findings in this 20-page report and then brief lawmakers on it, though it's unclear when he'll do that or where it will go if he does. We should note that he was at the White House today, though White House officials have said repeatedly over the last several weeks they do not think what he's doing is helpful as they are trying to fight off this impeachment inquiry. You could say that, Caitlin. Thank you so much. (laughs) Caitlin Collins at the White House. I mean, it's pretty stunning. All of this is happening. You have Rudy Giuliani, who's apparently still on this same mission, which is at the very heart of the impeachment inquiry and these articles of impeachment. And off to Ukraine he goes, comes back, first calls to the president, visits the White House on the day articles of impeachment are passed, passed through the Judiciary Committee. What does that tell you, Karen? Well, it's a lot of hubris, isn't it? I mean, look, it says that they're trying to continue this mythology that there was nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with going after Ukraine. This whole thing about they're trying to make it about going after corruption, even though, you know, Paul Manafort helped to elect a president of the Ukraine was one of the most corrupt. Uh, So, look, they're going to just keep doing what they want to do. I think the president I've heard from um, Sources that people inside the White House think, look, we were able to survive the Mueller investigation. We're going to survive this. No problem. But it sounds like the, the president, I mean, he wants to lean into, right, these conspiracy theories about Ukraine. There are people around him who do not think that that is a smart or wise decision. 
but it doesn't matter what the people around him think because what we see repeatedly is that it's what the president directs and what he wants to have happen. And he obviously has tasked Rudy Giuliani, who is his private agent, to go out and collect information that will assist him politically. And they have moved members of Congress and the American public across a line where now it's okay to solicit information from foreign entities and foreign governments into our electoral process. And so they are they have crossed that line now and now they are really desensitizing the rest of the American public to think that that's okay. And I think it's going to have profound consequences for future campaigns and future elections if the House and if the Senate doesn't open their eyes to the historical consequences of what's before them in the next and, couple and weeks. profound consequences next year. They're yeah. not going to stop. Yeah. Rudy, if Rudy, if they get away with this, why do we all think, oh, the president was just talking when he said China should do something exactly. on the White House lawn. I don't put it beyond him to actually try to get China or certainly if China starts to do something. Do we have confidence that the president's going to stop it? If the DNI comes in and tells the president Russia's interfering in October of 2020, do we think the president can say, that's terrible. I'm going to stop Russia from doing it. We're going to put sanctions on. We're going to publicize it. So I think this is really serious in terms of next year's election. And, and, and talking even not just about next year's election, but really foreign policy in the immediate future, yeah. Aisha, there are multiple White House sources who are telling CNN they're further limiting not only the people who are on the phone mm -hmm. calls of the president with foreign leaders, but even those who have access to the transcripts of mm -hmm. it. it. It makes you wonder if this all replayed again, the folks who raised some concerns, mm -hmm. went to the NSC lawyers, if they even would have been on this call to raise their hand and say this wasn't, this was not all right. Well, and part of the reason why you have, because I've talked to people who've been on these sorts of calls, and the reason why you have all of these people on the call is because it's supposed to be about, these calls are about setting U.S. policy. And so the reason, so when the president is on these calls, he's supposed to be dictating policy, and then the people on the call then go out to their, you know, to their different agencies and to the different people in the government who are supposed to carry it out. And so when you have less people on the call, you're not going to have those people who know what is the U.S. policy. Policy. What are we supposed to be doing towards you, Ukraine and, or whatever country? It's and, also, though, sorry, it's also part of the, the point of these calls is the continuity of our relationship yes. with those countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not about Donald Trump. These calls are supposed to be about the United States and whichever country it is that we're speaking to or negotiating with. And, of course, he makes it all about himself. And as the House is preparing for a full vote on impeachment next week, will all of the Democrats be on the same page? We're going to ask one congressman next. Next Wednesday, the full House is expected to take up articles of impeachment against President Trump. And this comes as the president, for his part, says today that impeachment will be bad for the country and that it only helps him politically. I want to bring in Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro. He is back home in San Antonio today, sir. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Safe to say you will be voting yes on impeachment? Yeah, I plan to vote yes. I think the president has clearly abuse the power of his office. And we can't allow a precedent, actually a few precedents to be set. First, that a president can ask a country to interfere in our elections, another country to interfere in our elections. And secondly, uh, to allow a, we can't allow a president to ask a country to investigate an American citizen, a political rival, for that president's own benefit. And if the Congress does nothing to hold Donald Trump accountable, 
That's exactly the precedent that will be set. And I suspect that it will happen again in the future if we do nothing. That he will be uh, that he will do something like this again is what you're saying. Yeah, I think. Well, I think it will give him the green light to try to do something like this again. Remember, Brianna, the day after Bob Mueller came and testified to Congress, Donald Trump picked up the phone, called the president of Ukraine and tried to get him to interfere in the 2020 election. So I think Donald Trump will do it again. But it also clears the way for a future president to do this again, because there will have been a precedent set that the Congress of the United States told the executive branch, the president, that this is okay. I want to ask you about something that one of your Republican colleagues leveled against you a claim. This was uh, Congressman John Ratcliffe. He suggested that you have a conflict of interest as you participate in the impeachment process because your brother, Julian Castro, is running for president. Let's listen. I keep hearing over and over again, you can't investigate political opponents. My colleague on the Intel Committee, Mr. Castro, was investigating President Trump at the very same moment his brother was running to replace President Trump. What do you say to that? (laughs) Well, the first thing is that I have my own career. I've been on the Intelligence Committee now more than three years. I was part of the Russia investigation that investigated the president for that. Uh, So my brother is not in Congress. My brother is the one that's off running for president. But also, I would ask John, my colleague, John Ratcliffe, if he thinks that my opinion and my perspective about what Donald Trump did would be any different if my brother wasn't running for president. Uh, Donald Trump abused his office and he has obstructed Congress and he has to be held accountable. I want to ask you about the Senate Majority Leader, because we're looking at this. It does seem that Democrats very likely will have the votes to move these articles of impeachment uh, forward uh, next week before the full House. And so then it's on to the Senate, led by Republicans and Mitch McConnell. And he said he's working closely with the White House counsel as a potential Senate trial is looking more real. Let's hear what he said. Everything I do during this, I'm coordinating with White House counsel. There will be no difference between the president's position and our position as to uh, how to handle this. This is essentially the jury in the case coordinating with the defense. What do you think of this? Yeah, I think as soon as Americans heard that and saw the clip of that, they understand that this is not a fair trial. Uh, Not if Mitch McConnell, who was basically uh, heading up the jury, is coordinating with the defense team. Uh, That would not be considered a fair trial in any American courtroom. Uh, Yet that's exactly what's going on. And I think a big part of the reason for that is that Mitch McConnell is deathly afraid of losing his reelection in Kentucky. And he feels like he can't do any little thing to upset the president uh, and have the president say a bad word about him because he needs that Republican base that the president brings uh, to stay loyal to him. Uh, But in the meantime, as he's doing that, he's corrupting the American system, uh, really, of justice here. I wonder, though, about accountability, because he's able to do this. And if the House votes to impeach the president, if the Senate acquits him, and that's where all uh, arrows are pointed now, he wins re-election, a very real possibility. I mean, how do you, how do Democrats, how does Congress hold President Trump accountable? Well, you're right. Uh, And it is a concern. And I think it has been on people's minds. Under the Constitution, impeachment is the way that you would hold the president accountable for these actions. Uh, But what we have in this modern era now, this contemporary era, is one political party that has decided to completely bury its head in the sand, to deny reality, not to accept facts, 
and to cling to the president no matter what he does. And it's sad to say, but there, that Donald Trump was somewhat right a few years ago where when he said that he could go to Fifth Avenue or wherever in New York uh, and shoot somebody. And at this point, I'm convinced that some of these people would still stick by him. As strange and bizarre and as sad as that sounds, uh, that's about where we've come to in the Republican Party that folks have decided to close their eyes completely. And it's very dangerous and it's very scary for this country. Congressman Joaquin Castro, thanks for joining us on The Lead. Thank you. House Republicans using the Clinton impeachment as an argument against Democrats. But are both impeachments really that different? We'll find out next. This is CNN Breaking News. We have breaking news. The Supreme Court has just announced it will hear cases related to President Trump's efforts to stop the release of his financial records. I want to bring in CNN reporter Kara Scannell and CNN Supreme Court analyst Joan Biskupic with us as well. Kara, what can you tell us? So, Brianna, we just got this news out of the Supreme Court that they are going to hear Donald Trump's appeals to block subpoenas to his accounting form and to his bank. Now, there were three cases that were up before the courts, and they've granted cert in all of them, saying that they will hear them. That has to do with both the Manhattan DA's office. They sent a grand jury to Donald Trump's accounting firm seeking his tax returns. The court said that they will hear that. And they're also going to hear the other appeals where you had the House Democrats wanting to obtain Donald Trump's Uh, financial records from his accounting firm and from Deutsche Bank and Capital One, two banks that have done business with the family. So the Supreme Court will hear those cases, too. That sets up big arguments and debates about presidential immunity as it relates to the grand jury investigation, as well as separation of powers and what Congress um, oversight can be of the president. Now, the the Supreme Court also set a calendar for this, saying that they will hear arguments in these cases in March. That means a decision is likely by June. So in the middle of the presidential Mm -hmm. campaign, we will have a decision from the Supreme Court. Now, in the meantime, these subpoenas for the documents are on hold, but their ultimate fate will will become uh, known in June when the Supreme Court ultimately rules on these cases, Brianna. And, and Joan, I mean, you yeah. can't really overstate what a big deal this could be to the president, especially as even though there's a 5-4 conservative majority on the court, it's unclear where it might come down on something like this. That's right. We've got three different cases. It takes only four justices to agree to hear a case, but five to decide it. And I cannot stress enough that this is not just a moment where the fate of President Trump hangs in the balance in terms of the misconduct, potential misconduct at issue in these these cases. But it's also a very defining moment for the Roberts court. You mentioned that it's split 5-4 along ideological lines. But just think of everything we have heard from Chief Justice John Roberts over the past two years about how this is an impartial body. It wants to stay out of politics. It doesn't want to define itself by Trump judges or Obama judges or Bush judges, as he happens to be. And this puts these nine justices squarely in the middle of a major clash between the branches that's involving the the House documents, but also this major claim of absolute immunity that the president is pushing in the New York grand jury case. It's a huge story. Joan Biskupic, Kara Scannell, thank you so much for that reporting. Unite or fight? That is one of the questions facing the Democratic presidential candidates right now. 
In our politics lead, December 12th, 1998, a front page for the history books as the House Judiciary Committee approved articles of impeachment against another president, Bill Clinton. Nearly 21 years later to the day, the House Judiciary Committee approved articles against President Trump. And as CNN's Tom Foreman explains from the timeline to the charges, Trump's impeachment is going down a bit differently than President Clinton's. Start with the evidence. This is something very, very serious. The impeachment of Bill Clinton began with the investigation of the Whitewater land deal in Arkansas. It turned into a wide-ranging four-year probe by independent counsel Ken Starr. The president, in the course of those efforts, misused his authority and his power as president. Starr's massive report laid out the complete allegations against Clinton for Congress to consider. With Donald Trump, the Ukraine scandal has been unfolding in real time with new witnesses and testimony day by day. Compared to the Clinton case, it is moving at lightning speed. Next, the charges. When asked about his relationship with a White House intern, Bill Clinton under oath misled investigators just as he had the public. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. The important thing is, is that Bill Clinton lied to a grand jury. That is a crime. But Trump... This president isn't even accused of committing a crime. Still, Democrats say Clinton lied about a personal matter, while Trump used taxpayer dollars to strong-arm a foreign ally to investigate a rival, to help his own political ambitions. There is no higher crime than for the president to use the power of his office to corrupt our elections. And then there is Congress. Clinton and Trump each faced a House of Representatives controlled by the opposition party, both arguing the investigations were partisan hit jobs, both resisting participation. Clinton by insisting on specific terms for his testimony, Trump by going much further, instructing his team to ignore subpoenas, claiming absolute immunity. This president has achieved a new low and belittling his accusers. These people are stone-cold crooked. And as for the likely next step, a Senate trial? Even though Republicans held a solid majority during Clinton's impeachment, several GOP senators crossed over to help Democrats defeat the charges. For Trump, the Republicans are in charge again, but this time, while Democratic leaders say their members should vote as they wish, Republicans? My hope is that there won't be a single Republican who votes uh, for either of these articles of impeachment. Here is one more stark difference in all of this. At the height of impeachment, 60% of Americans thought President Clinton was doing a good job and they wanted him to stay. Donald Trump has never been anywhere near that level of approval, and about half the public thinks he should go. Brianna? Tom Foreman, thank you so much. Up next, the fight for the presidency and the Democratic Party. Unlike some some candidates for the Democratic nomination, I am not counting on Republican politicians having an epiphany. Mayor Pete obviously has had difficulty garnering black support in his home city. The thing about these purity tests is the people issuing them can't even meet them. In our 2020 lead, Senator Elizabeth Warren is attacking Joe Biden. Biden's going after Pete Buttigieg, and Buttigieg is taking a jab at Senator Warren. But at the end of the day, who's actually winning over voters to be the Democratic nominee? As CNN's Abby Phillip reports, it's not just a fight for votes. 
but a fight for what the Democratic Party stands for. If you can't bring the country together, we're in real, real, real trouble. In the 2020 race, some Democrats are pitching themselves as healers. I am running to be the president who can do that, who can gather up those pieces and bring the American people together. While others present themselves as fighters. When I got into the race for president, I knew what I'd be fighting for. I knew who I'd be fighting for. With just 52 days to go before voting starts, candidates are in a fierce debate about what America will need in a post-Trump world. What we need to do right now is galvanize, not polarize. Buttigieg taking a jab at Senator Elizabeth Warren. We will fight when we must fight, but I will never allow us to get so wrapped up in the fighting that we start to think fighting is the point. Biden echoing that message, criticizing the progressive candidate's approach on health care. These guys are saying, no, no, my way or the highway. Warren hit back in a major speech in New Hampshire and without naming them, targeted Biden. Unlike some, Demo- some candidates for the Democratic nomination, I am not counting on Republican politicians having an epiphany. And Buttigieg. We know that another calls the people who raise a quarter of a million dollars for him his, quote, national investors circle. And he offers them regular phone calls and special access. As Elizabeth Warren has stalled in the polls, she's upped her criticism of her more moderate rivals. I'm not betting my agenda on the naive hope that if Democrats adopt Republican critiques of progressive policies or make vague calls for unity, that somehow the wealthy and well-connected will stand down. Biden insists Warren is wrong, telling donors at a fundraiser last night that if we can't unify the country, you all ought to go home now because nothing is going to happen except by executive order. And voters do tell me that despite their differing approaches, they are deciding between Pete Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren. That's why we've seen those two going after each other more and more in recent weeks. And we'll see even more ahead of this debate next week. They are duking it out for those college-educated voters, especially in Iowa. Brianna. Abby, thank you so much for that report. And it's, it's pretty interesting to look at this because you are see- it's almost like the end of that sprint, right? And it's who's really digging it out at the end of it. What do you think as you watch this? No, absolutely. We're getting closer to Iowa. There's only a couple weeks in December when you really think that voters are paying attention because of the holidays. So they are trying to get their digs in now. And again, things are tightening up. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah, it's like, I think especially Elizabeth Warren and the others also have noticed that Joe Biden is not collapsing, even though everyone has spent, (laughs) we've all spent nine months here explaining why, well, he's got some temporary lead because he was Obama's vice president, the name ID, but of course it can't be sustained. And he, you know what, he's in pretty good shape. So I do think there's a real, I think it's becoming sort of, can they stop Biden? We're getting pretty close to that. And this is really the fundamental divide in the Democratic race right now. Uh, Do you want a big structural change agent or do you want someone who is more moderate, who is maybe looking toward more incremental change? That's what this debate is all about. And that's why it's gotten so fierce, because it gets down to the meat of it for some of these voters. The answer to that question could largely decide who the nominee ends up being in this race overall. And voters say they want someone, Aisha, who's going to beat Donald Trump. 
So that's uh, is that sort of an outstanding question? I, I, I mean, I think that's why you've seen strength with Biden. It's not because he has this great vision that he's really presenting, but because voters, for whatever reason, they feel like that he could beat uh, President Bush. I mean, President Bush. President Trump. <laughs> my Lord, where am I going? That's <laughs> the, another decade. You just, uh, just did this day in history on, in the last block. Well, Biden's first presidential race yeah, was, was against... against the, yeah. That's against how long George he's been around. Bush. That's so. against the first push. Think about that. 1988. But yeah, but I think that's what, I'm, so I think that's what this is coming down to. When you have people choosing between Buttigieg and Warren, I mean, they th- these are two totally different candidates. So these, they're not just looking at policy there. You also heard Buttigieg today talking about purity tests that he was accusing yes, that's right. uh, Warren of, of, of issuing these purity tests that he said she can't even meet. He was referencing uh, the fact that when she was a senator, she was fundraising in a traditional way, taking big dollar money and then she transferred some of that money into her presidential account. So, uh, you know, he's really trying to kind of uh, unpeel some parts of the onion here uh, and basically saying it's just not fair to hold candidates to this kind of standard today when just a few years ago they weren't being held to that standard. She also uh, uh, said, and she was implying that Biden's kind of naive, right, when he thinks that he can unify the country. I mean, look, we've just gone through on the House side this impeachment inquiry, yeah. what we discussed earlier was that no minds have changed. I mean, does she have a point? Well, but, you know, what Biden would say is given the relationships that he has, particularly with people in the Senate, he has, you know, the ability to get some things done. We've heard him make that argument that you've got to have these ideas, you've got to be able to get them done. So I do think he's right. I think he has a better relationship. I mean, take a look at what happened with uh, Trump. He no relationship. And that was kind of rocky at the beginning. Tune in to CNN this Sunday morning for State of the Union. Jake Tapper is going to be speaking with Republican Senator Rand Paul and Republican Congressman Will Hurd. That is at 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. Eastern this Sunday. You can follow me on Twitter at Brie Keeler CNN or tweet the show at The Lead CNN. And our coverage on CNN continues right now. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 